Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with Boston Celtics? They were not going to let Steph Curry beat them last night. They were sick and tired of hearing people like me saying that Steph had already won the finals MVP. I said it yesterday. I don't care how the series ends. Give it to him now. Give it to him now. It's already his. So Boston, knowing that, did everything they could to shut him down. They threw everything at him, determined to shut him down, and that's exactly what happened. They did. They did it better than any team has ever done it in the postseason, ever. One problem. They had no answer for Andrew Wiggins. Maple Jordan was in the house last night, and this guy was unstoppable. Andrew Wiggins... The man who changed the finals. That is a sentence I'm sure that nobody ever thought they'd hear. But you better believe it because it's a fact. It's true. And it's not just one good night. He's had back-to-back double-doubles. He was the guy who was causing Luka problems in the conference finals. The guy's a stud. He really is. He is now everything that everybody expected when he came out of Kansas. Every time Boston has been challenged in this playoff run, And we talked to Brian Scalabrini about this yesterday before the game. And nobody knows better than that guy. But every single time they've been challenged in their playoff run, they have bounced back. They've always had that bounce back. Except last night, Andrew Wiggins, check that, Andrew Christian Wiggins bounced them hands off them faces. This guy, you like that, big head? I know you love it when guys get the hands. And guys' hands were applied to guys' faces. I know you like that head. Wiggins was everything, everywhere, all at once. 26 points, 13 boards, 2 assists, a block, no turnovers. And he played lockdown defense. And not a night where Boston would not let Curry get going. Wiggins attacked. And he attacked and he attacked some more. He lived in the paint. 20 of his 26 came in the paint. This dude was relentless. There were times when he came in smooth, and there were times when he would knife through the defense and then bring the heat. Wiggins on Horford to Looney on the right block. They run the split action to Curry. Two men jump at him. Wiggins soaring to lay it in with the left hand. He's the only guy on their team. Well, maybe Peyton. They could have made that play. I mean, how athletic was that? True. True. Get nice. Get nice and then getting nasty. If you watch the game, you know what's coming next because this is straight filth. Leading by 13 with the ball. Wiggins down the lane, rises, and hammers with the right. A little Air Canada as he spikes it down. To quote the legendary Big Red, throw it down, big man. This is a game played by men for the ultimate prize. I haven't heard that in a while. I've seen that dunk maybe 10 times, and I'm still hyped. And you know his teammates absolutely love it because they know how good this guy is. They've already known for a while what the rest of the world is only now coming around to. Draymond Green, Draymond Green, said it afterwards, made a great point. Quote, Thibs was telling us Jimmy Butler loved him, and we all know how Jimmy is. If you got any softness to you, dot, dot, dot. So if Jimmy Butler loves him, that tells you all you need to know. 
We know that Bob Myers loved him, and that also tells you all you need to know. Like, Bob will never tell you that he's a genius, so I will have to do it for him and for you. Bob Myers is a genius, and the Wiggins trade is proof of that. It's not the only proof. It's not even the latest proof. It's just more proof. This guy went from a bust, a disappointment, an afterthought in Minnesota, and now he is a stud in the finals. Wiggins even had that assist when Poole had yet another buzzer beater. Three seconds to work with. Wiggins has it at two, at one. Poole, three. Banked it in! He banked it in! A left wing, 28-footer from Jordan Poole gives the Warriors the one-point lead at the end of three. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't tell me that buzzer beater didn't matter. That was a huge Huge moment, a huge momentum changer. That was big. Golden State was bleeding out in the third. The Warriors had come out of halftime with a 12-point lead, and they promptly gave it right back. In the third quarter, the Warriors played like the third-quarter Celtics, and the Celtics played like the third-quarter Warriors. Boston blasted them. They had flipped that game on its head. They had 39 in the first half, but they had 35 in the third quarter. They were hunting matchups. They were killing the Warriors. And that's got to be what's killing the Celtics right now. That game was right there for them. They had locked down Steph Curry. They had held the greatest shooter in NBA history to 7 of 22 from the field. He was 0 of 9 from beyond the arc. They did what no team in NBA playoff history had ever done before. They shut out Steph Curry from deep. It had never been done. They got Kevon Looney in foul trouble. Andre Iguodala was playing important minutes. If Iggy is trending, that's why. And he was. And yet, despite all of that, they still get blown out. Boston still loses by double digits. How's that taste, Beantown? Actually, really, I should be asking myself that same question. After all, I am half chowed. For some reason, James Kelly always thinks that's funny, too. Hey, half Rome, how's half my ass taste? So they're down three games to two now. And now they've got to win two straight to win number 18. And again, it's not like the Celtics didn't have their chances. They had plenty of chances. They were garbage in the first quarter. They were electric in the third. They were bigger. They were tougher. They were more aggressive. They were bullying the dubs in their own house. They were on the verge of ripping back control of the series. Jason Tatum was dominant. He got whatever he wanted offensively in the third. The Celtics is a team, after being totally incapable of making a three to start that game, suddenly couldn't miss. And then they all pulled their disappearing act in the fourth. They all went David Copperfield on their own ass. They made themselves disappear. Hail! But I'm talking about every single one of them. Every single one of them, every guy in Celtics gear was a non-factor in the fourth. And it wasn't just Tatum. Marcus Smat imploded. He picked up dumb fouls and an even dumber tee. They just unraveled Tatum, Smat, and Jalen Brown. Combined for 13 turnovers last night. As a team, they had 18. It's not like they don't know. It's not like they don't talk about it. It's not like we all don't know. It's not like we don't all talk about it. 
when they don't handle the rock, they don't win. But give the Dubs some credit as well. Give Golden State credit. Yes, the Celtics gassed out, but that's in part, and no small part, because Golden State was up in their collective grill, pressuring them, exerting extreme will. Like, I'm not even saying that every one of Boston stars has to play like a star to win. That's not how they're built. They don't all have to play like stars, but they can't play like losers. They can't play losing basketball, and that's exactly what they did in the fourth. When it mattered most, they manned down, and the Warriors locked them up. So laugh all you want about Draymond joining Dale Davis in the Finals Four Club, but it was Draymond who held Boston to 1 of 10 from the floor when he was the primary defender. He reportedly stuffed, or repeatedly, I should say, stuffed Jalen Brown in a duffel bag. That was some 2015 Warriors defense right there. Oh, and speaking of throwbacks, how about Clay? How about Clay Thompson? He's not all the way back, but when it mattered most, when the Warriors needed the paddles in the fourth, Clay was the guy to hit them with those two. Looney foul line left extended. Hand off to Clay. Marcus Smart right in his shirt. Clay gets some space. Open three. Got it! Smart took a dive. Clay buried a three. Three years after he injured his ACL in the finals against Toronto, he's given the Warriors an eight point lead. Clay's got 18. Big game, Clay. Game five, Clay got smat on his heels and on his ass, and then he buried it. Was there a push off? Maybe. Does Smart flop a lot, and did that come back to haunt him? Absolutely. But then again, of course, Clay got off because he did what he always does prior to going off. He did what he always does when he needs that big reset. He jumped out the ocean on that man that's a great question uh you know the bay it doesn't matter what time of the year it is the bay you know it can be cold but when it's one of those days where it's in the low 60s and the sun sun is shining you I, i make it a point to jump in the ocean i just think the ocean has healing properties that a pool might not have or a cold tub and just to be immersed in nature like that, it just it really makes me happy. And just your whole body feels so great when you get out of that cold water. And it just feel like, honestly, you just feel a little clo- closer to God when you look up at the beautiful skies and you're just in the ocean. Like it's a, I'm an Aquarius, so I just have always loved the water my whole life. And it really is my happy place besides the hardwood. Preach, my man. I absolutely love philosophical clay. I love ocean clay. I love Aquarius clay. In fact, I need to start doing that myself. Next stupid tweet or email or call or all of the above that I receive, because I know they're all coming, probably next segment, I'm asking myself, WWKD, what would clay do? He'd jump in the freaking bay. I'm going to mix that one into my toolbox because that's always been his go-to and it always works for him and it did again last night. You know what I love about that too? Well, all of it, but my favorite part was, you hear how pumped he got for the question? 
You hear how excited he got for the question? Oh, that that's a good question. That's a good question. I was hoping somebody would ask me that. Like with some sort of electric jolt. The ocean. Oh, I'm glad you asked me about that. That'd be like if somebody catches me walking down the street and just stops me. Some rando. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Rome. Rome. Yeah, what's up, bro? I got a question. Have you ever seen the movie White Chicks? White Chicks! Oh, hell yes! I'm so glad you asked. The best. I'm a Libra. Libras love white chicks. When I watch that movie, I feel closer to God. What I don't need, clones, all right? What I don't need, because I know you better than you know you. I know what you're going to think before you actually think it. And I sure as hell know what you're going to tweet before you put thumbs to phone. Never mind putting the paddles. I don't want Clay to help me paddle. I disagree. The cold water, it made my body feel like rigor mortis. Yeah, no doubt. I sure did get closer to God. Definitely not in my happy place. Etc. 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 Signed Dyson Bailey. Don't do it, idiots. You're so predictable. Don't do it. I know where you live. And I don't mean literally, but figuratively. I just know you clowns. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cash back match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. We are joined by Ice Cube. Cube, what's up? How are you? Jim, how you feeling, man? Good, dude. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. So, Cube, you and I talked about the big three years ago, well before it launched, and now here we are, a few days away from its start of its fifth season. I've got to know, what's it like for you when you show up at the arena and you see the fans and you see the players and you know the vision is no longer just that, but it's a reality and it's bigger than it's ever been before? Oh, man, it's great. Um, you know, it's still, you know, a pinch yourself kind of moment. Um, we're extremely proud of the league and, and, you know, being able to to uphold the standards of the league, you know, to the point where people, you know, really uh, respect it and, and enjoy it. And so, you know, in sports, that's one of the hardest things to do is to get that traction, uh, to get that, you know, uh, exposure, and, and then to get the support. So we're seeing a lot of things converge. You know, we're seeing – you know the sponsors and the and the, uh, the people out there, all you know, kind of being sucked into you know the fun of this league. So it's a dream come true in a lot of ways, man. Talking to Cube. So Cube, I talked to Joe Johnson, the two-time MVP, and he's coming back this season. I've had him on the show. I've had him on my podcast. I know how much you respect him. I've got great respect for him as well. What does he bring to the league, and what do you like about his game? Um, raising the bar of the league, you know, the, the, the standard, you know, he's a guy who, you know, takes extremely good care of himself. Um, you know, shout out to his hot yoga, <laughs> ISO yoga that he, uh, that he's into. 
um, and he come in, you know, ready to work, you know, like he did when he was uh, an NBA player. No nonsense, and he raises the bar. And so, you know, everybody know that they gotta they gotta bring their A game to to knock Joe off that throne. And so, you know, to me, that's what we want. We want guys that are serious. We want guys still with a chip on their shoulder and want to compete at a high level. And and it's good to have Joe for them to to be chasing. And Cube, you're right. He loves he loves his hot yoga. So one of the things that you and the league are doing this year that the fans are now able to get more engaged in is NFTs, blockchain technology. Let me ask you this. The crypto markets have got people sweating it. They're stressing. And there have been some tough days recently. As the markets go up and down, how have you approached the minting of this new FT? Well, you know, um, we want people to see it for what it is. You know, this, you know, people think this is bullish, but it's actually both. It's bullish and it's bearish, you know, because what we're offering is something that can last forever as long as the league is here. Um, so, you know, it's a unique time if you want to uh, get in and be an owner. You know, it's no other league, I think, that can offer what we're doing at this level. Uh, so, you know, we're happy to have it there. You know, if you're scared, you know, you probably stay on the sideline. But if you see the vision, you love what we're doing, you want to grow with the league, you know, jump on in. You know, the water is, is warm. So, you know, um so, you know, it's a tough market right now, but this is a long-term play. So, you know, we're not really worried about the, the volatility of the market. Talking big three ball with Ice Cube. So, Cube, you were speaking to Alex Kennedy recently. I thought he said something interesting. Quote, the NBA has not been the nicest to the big three. Of course, publicly, they say all the right words. But we know privately there's things done behind the scenes with sponsors, broadcasters, end of quote. Like, what kind of things have they done? And then how much does that bother you? Um, you know, telling some of their, you know, broadcasters not to mention us as much. Um, you know, we've heard that directly from a guy that's involved with the big three. Um, you know, some of the broadcasters, you know, places like ESPN where the NBA lives, um, you know, they they should be all over us. And, and you know, they, they try to ignore what we're doing. So it's it's a little frustrating because we feel like, what we're doing is so complimentary. You know, first of all, it's only three on three, so there's no threat there. And um, we're taking players that, uh, you know, some of them are still good enough to play in the NBA, and we're giving them a platform to show their talents and to quit on their terms or retire, so to speak, on their own terms. Uh, so, you know, this is something we, we think David Stern should have thought about 30 years ago. But uh, he didn't. We did. We're here. Uh, and I think we can be a great complement to what the NBA is doing it's, if we work together. Seems to me, Cube, you're not looking to compete directly with them, but you're looking to complement them. Personally, I'm not sure what the association is so threatened by. I mean, you have a great product, but I'm not sure what their issue is. Speaking of the NBA, you're one of the most legendary Laker fans of all, of course. So I've got to know, what was it like to watch that team go through that train wreck of a season, Cube? Hey, man, I've seen it before, you know. Um, it's always scary to bring in, you know, so many big names at the same time. Uh, we saw it, you know, kind of blow up in our face, you know, with uh, bringing in um, Gary Payton at the time and then Carl Malone. And, you know, that season was ugly. Um, 
So I've seen it before it happens. You know, I, I have faith in, in the league. I mean, in the in the uh, in the team. I have faith in the leadership of the Lakers that they'll figure it out. You know, this team I think will be a lot better next year than it was this year. Hopefully, we won't have as many injuries, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can make a run and bring some more uh, respectability back in the Lakerland. So, kid, where do you come out on this? Like. Injuries were an issue. Health was an issue. But at the same time, Russell Westbrook really did struggle. Do you want to run it back and give it another shot with this group? Or do they have to move him no matter what, in your opinion? I think we can run it back. You know, he had a tough season, but he was probably the only one out there most of the season. So uh, let's run it back. Let's see, you know, how this group plays a year together. Um, Maybe we bring in another a uh, point guard to take a little pressure off of him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, he's still Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, he, he's still a, a, a high-level player in this league. And so I love to see him, you know, make it work. Hey, Q, before I let you go, I'm always interested in high achievers and what keeps them motivated and what keeps them sharp and successful in so many different areas of life. You fit that category. And in terms of staying sharp and motivated, you and the rest of the guys in Mount Westmore have released a debut album. What's it been like working with three other legends on that project? Man, have you ever had to work with your crazy cousins? That's what it's like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... New 40 short. We've been knowing each other forever. We've been friends for forever. We've been on on the road with each other here and there throughout my whole career. So to finally come together and make a group, I'm having too much fun, man. You know, it's like we're stealing money at this point because cause it's just fun to be a part of, of a super group like that with all these legends. And, and they're my friends. And I can snap on them. They can snap on me. You know, it's just it's just a ball, man. That's cool. All right, so the big three season is opening up on Saturday. What are you most looking forward to about week one? For them to, to play. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know. We got the longest off season in sports, so when it's time to play, I'm ready for the game to start. Enough prepping, enough talking, enough promotion. Let's get it on. Trade pros, whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. At the very top of the program, I mentioned something not so hilarious. Where's Melvin? Where is Alvin DeLauro? I have not seen him. I mentioned after the program yesterday, we got some headshots. We were walking the streets of Southern California, posting his picture. Has anybody seen Alvin? James Kelly, who wants to get his ass back home, is very concerned about Alvin. He and I were walking the hills of the San Gabriel Valley looking for him. What if it's aliens? What if they came down here and they wanted the most interesting figure or most viable figure they could find and deemed it Melvin? Ding. 
or the most reproductive figure? What if they want to study him for that? What if they, and by the way, they exist. Is there any doubt about that? Let's just, without any, I mean, unequivocally speaking, I'm 100% certain they exist. I know this. How do I know? I just know. They wanted to come down here and find the goat of reproduction, Alvin. Or in another, you know, I like to use horse racing analogies. The world's finest sire. Ding. It's not Tappet. It's not Galileo. It's Alvin. I don't know. I haven't seen him since that Friday before the last Friday. Day 10 of Melvin Watch. If you've seen him, please hit us on the Melvin Tip Hotline. 1-800-636-8686. In the meantime, this isn't local news. Consider this national news. Alvin, we love you. We miss you. Please come home. And if you have anything at all to do with his missing or his whereabouts, please return him. We love you, Alvin. Let's go to the reaction. So we had that and we had Cube. Hey, Chowd Rome. Let me correct you right there. I am not Chowd Rome. I am half Chowd Rome. Chowd Rome. How you like them apples? Signed Frisco Rome. <laughs> Unwar Fresno Rome. Signed Allen in Manitoba. That ruled. That's good stuff. I like it. This says, if you showed up for work today, then your name is probably not Alvin Deloro. War Freezer Vodka. Hashtag, where is Alvin? If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. Jake in NYC. You should hashtag that on Twitter. Where is Alvin? And then hashtag it, Freezer Vodka. Rome. Together. We will get through this. Hashtag Melvin Strong. Another amazing hashtag. You can hashtag it, where is Alvin? You can hashtag it, where is Melvin? Basically, you should hashtag it, Melvin Strong. That's incredible. Together, we will get through this. Hashtag Melvin Strong. Got a boy, Chad. Chad from Orlando with that one. Rome, dude, you need to assert yourself as Alvi's boss. He cannot just be MIA at work without calling in. Walt, retired on Miami Beach. Walt, I understand this. I feel you. And by the way, for the first day or two, I felt that way. But it's now day 10. I can't impose my will on him. Hey, Walt, I know you're pissed. And initially, I was pissed. Now, I'm concerned. Really concerned. How am I going to impose my will if the little guy's been abducted? How can I 
penalize or be punitive with regards to Melvin when I cannot find him? And by the way, why am I going to issue threats or flex if something bad happened to him? How badly would I feel then? How badly would his family feel then? Walt, I know you're pissed. But listen, something may have happened to this guy, and I don't know what it is. I'm concerned. Jim, did Alvin leave and join the Live Tour? Zach and Jax. It's ridiculous. He doesn't even play golf. At Bob Speck, how expensive is it to the show to fly Big Head from his private island to run the board? Smackoff price just reduced to 3500 Thing is, Famous Smoke Shop did not fly him out. I did. It, listen, I don't want to go on that ramp because we already know this, and I'm not one of those guys. Notice this. Whenever I travel and something goes wrong, and something always goes wrong when everybody travels, notice I don't reach for my phone. It's a bad play. I, I don't like that play. I don't do that. I don't do that. People do that all the time. And maybe it works because the airlines freak out. But if you notice, there's been a switch with the airlines. I hate to get on the wrong side of the airline because I'm about to get on a plane. They don't give a damn anymore. Have you noticed? How do I know this? Have you seen the way they're gouging us? So I'm getting ready. Rome family. Fun fact, except it's not fun at all. We're getting ready to head to Wisco for our summer vacation. You know my deal. I take two weeks off. Pretty much I grind straight through to start the year until summertime. I get to the smack off. I do that. I go for two weeks. I come back for two weeks. I go for two weeks. The way it is right now with the Rome family, it's all staggered. You've got Dodger Jano, who goes there a couple of days ahead of time to get the house ready. And then Jake, Jake is in summer school, so he's actually already in Wisconsin and Madison. Logan is getting ready for his senior year of high school, so Logan is with the family here in Cali. But Logan is going to a really important year of baseball. He's a PO, pitcher only. So he's got to hit some showcases and some summer tourneys. Point of the story. Logs and I are going to go to Wisconsin for the first leg. Logan has to come back after one week. I'm going to stay two, and he's going to fly back by himself after one week. That airline ticket, coach, one way from Wisco to Cali is more than two gur. Are you kidding me? So what I'm saying to you is the airlines, in terms of what it costs me to fly Big Head out here, you know, you can't put a price on Alvin's smaller head, and I'm worried about him, but hell yeah, it cost me a lot of money to get the head out here, just as it's going to cost me a hell of a lot of money to get my kid back from Wisco, coach, on a one-way flight. Yo, Logs, do not be wasting my money, man. You better show up, show out, and ball out. I've got no misconceptions about you being a major leaguer. That's not what that's about. I'm just saying, make sure I get my return on my investment for my money. Hey, Head, didn't you once coach a future major leaguer? Mark Melanson. This is one of my favorite Head stories ever. You can go on and on. The big Head. He's got a car wash. He's got a dog wash that he's building into his car wash. He's a gambling savant. He's functional literate. Dude, how in the world? Switch switch right now. Run over there. Run over there. Move it, vampire. Move your ass, vamp. Move your ass, vamp. Head. 
like Melanson is old enough and you're not young. Explain this to me one more time. How in the world did you ever coach Mark Melanson? Uh, so, yeah, about five or six years age difference. But when I got out of college, my uncle was actually coaching their football team and asked if uh, I would help. And I said, sure, we'll do it. So Why? Well, what did you know or what could you do to possibly help any of them, much less a future major leaguer? Well, he did not become one of the best closers of this generation without my guidance, Jim. So I know quite a bit, actually. Holy bleep. Yeah, what kind of guidance? So exactly what did you teach him? Did you teach him a grip? Did you help him mechanically? It what did football. you do for Mark Melanson? It was football. Fall football. Football. He was our quarterback. Okay. He could so throw it a mile. This whole time I thought you helped him in baseball. You helped him in football. Oh, yeah, football. Even and worse. you could argue that's why his football career ended four years later. Okay, <laughs> so what, like, what did you work? Dude, what, how were you Jordan Palmer? How were you a football guru? Man, I know all sports, just like I gamble on stuff. It was it was the greatest time ever, too. I loved it. No, no, I bet it was, dude. You've been downhill ever since then. Now, now you build dog washes for a living. That's so, right. So, you know, that that's right. That's right. I, okay, go back over there. That's right. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? He happens to reside in Portland. James, my man. What's going on? Jimmy, my man, and Big Head. Welcome to the jungle. Jim, it has to be frustrating when you're looking through the glass, glass trying to communicate with chalk, and a giant billboard with the neck is blocking your view. And, Jim, you truly are the side hustler. You got the ponies in the stable. You got the pods. But I had no idea that Rit Albee's side hustle was going to prevent them from showing up to their day job. Rit's side hustle, you know, spinning records at raves, just beak diving and Charlie Sheening piles of Swissmas. His music sucks, Jim, but his stage name is awesome. It's DJ Type 2. And some say Alvy's locked still to a sex swing with a red rubber ball belted to his mouth and he forgot the safe word, but he's just doing his side hustle. That, of course, being building sex tents for the rich. Jimmy, you got to see the walls in these things. They all have some weird hole in them, and the slogan of his business is, dude, dude, Alvy's pitching a tent. Come on! That's where you run him, big head. And that's what that sounds like. Wow. San Luis Obispo, Rex. Hey, Rex, how are you? Jim, thanks for the vine. And I want to stick with the theme of throwback, getting philosophical and what it means to be an Aquarius. For the January 23rd birthday myself, I know a little bit about being an Aquarian. And like Clay, I'm a regular in the cold water immersion. But, Jim, it's been 25 years, 25 long years since my last call into your show. I wanted to walk down memory lane of that day and express thankfulness to you that while you kindly racked my call and even seemed to compassionately connect with my frustrations as a fan and my take on what was a dire situation at the time in Oakland, 
you immediately disagreed with my solution and offered a more emotionally regulated explanation for the quandary the Golden State Warriors were in at the time. Having just transitioned out of the run TMC years, and although no championship banners were raised, Jim, the team was competitive night in and night out and exciting to watch. But the Warriors began to crumble into what I deemed at the time the top three worst organizations in all of sports, a roster that was slow, old, recycled, and uninspired. Jim, the only reason to cheer ever while in that arena was to see a seven foot seven African fire two-handed shot puts behind the arc. And as fans, Jimmy, we were reduced to standing up and embarrassingly cheering when one out of 50 of those went in. The lineup was sourly, was littered with seemingly crippled big men like Joe Barely Cares and Alton Lister, Paul McKeskey, Les Jetson, and a crippled Ralph Sampson. Coupled out with selecting draft picks like we were playing blindfolded, stick a pin in the donkeys. Urgh. I mean, Jim, it's nauseating even saying the names out loud. Inexplicable selections like a Donald Foyle. Mike Dunleavy, Tellus Frank, and don't forget the infamous Todd Fuller. I begged at the time for the Warriors to close the doors and shut it down, put a permanent end to the franchise, the chronic disease of suffering. They plummeted to the bane of existence in the NBA. But no, you, Jim, you and your Buddhist-like wisdom understood the principles that life is suffering, but that we were not made to suffer. You understood that the possibility of great things could be right around the corner for this storied franchise that had hit rock bottom. You understood the highest of the highs can only come to fruition after experiencing the lowest of the lows. You understood the thrill of victory can only surface as a result of knowing the agony of defeat. This Warrior team is on an epic run, Jim. They swapped out a Sudanese giant hurling three-point prayers for the greatest shooter in NBA history, a prophetic answer to prayer. They quit playing the recycled, tired coaching carousel and planted one of the wisest basketball minds, boldest decision makers, and relatable and honest communicators the game has ever seen. Couple all this with management that took the blinders off when assessing future talent in the draft. And this just may be their finest hour, Jim. What a run this has been. It'd be four and eight years and one rung up the ladder as the franchise with the third highest number of championships in NBA history. So war to you, Jim. War to you for your innate knowing. And war to you for mixing in shows to your philosophically inept clones with analysis of fantastic reads like on Miguel Ruiz's classic, The Four Agreements. War to bringing on modern-day Stoics like Ryan Holiday. War to giving us a chance to match Joe DiMaggio's hit streak with callers named Rex. And war to the day that, Jim, you demand that the smack-off not be filled with junior high derelicts like James in Portland who spend 100% of their take name-calling other equally infantile phone abusers, and get back to what this show used to be all about. Have a sports take and don't suck. I'm out. Wow. Rex in San Luis Obispo. Give that man a golden ticket. Just do it. Just do it. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. Michael Foster is my guest. Michael, it's great to have you on. How are you? 
What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I'm pretty good. Good, dude. Good to have you. So there's a lot going on with you. Let me ask you first. You're about a week away from the NBA draft. You've been working your whole life for this. I'm curious, what's the draft evaluation process been like for you? Like, has it been stressful, or are you kind of rolling with it and trying to have fun with it? Actually, I've been loving it, actually. To me, I feel like it's a preparation for what's going on next year. You know, we're going to be on the road a lot. We're going to hoop, of course, and going to be right back outside of the city, so going city to city. So I've been embracing it. It's pretty cool, pretty, pretty cool to me. It's good attitude. Now, you've been working out with guys like Rasheed Wallace. This is a huge Rasheed Wallace house. In fact, every house is a huge Rasheed Wallace house. I've got to know, what's it been like working with Rasheed? What have you learned from him? I mean, one thing he always told me is, uh, I've been knowing him probably my whole uh, uh, high school career. Uh, I had, a, had him as coaches for, like, camps and mission, but he always tells me, like, I'm the biggest guy. So show your personality. Come in the gym, be loud, have a presence, make make. Make sure everybody recognizes you once you walk in the gym because he was a crazy guy in a good way. Like, he was a Nazi. He was loud. Like, he tried to bring that energy out of me. He, like, he tell me sometimes, I'm going to be loud today. You got to you gotta talk more than me. You got to be louder than me today. That's your assignment for today. Is so he's stuff like that. Just bring my char- character out. I think that's great. Michael Foster joining us. Sorry to interrupt you. Is he, is he still like that? Does he still bring that kind of heat, that kind of energy, that kind of smoke Man, when he's coaching you? Yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> I love it. One of them guys for sure. Michael Foster joining us. And then you got to match that. Now, I want to go back a little bit because you had a huge high school career as a star in Milwaukee, Washington High School. And then you made the move to Hillcrest Prep in Arizona. You said back in the day you didn't pay a lot of attention to recruiting rankings. You were just focused on basketball. So at what point did you realize, man, I'm different. I'm special. Uh, Actually... When I got my uh, first invite to uh, USA and I went there and got off, I'm like, you know what, I can really, you know, I can really do something with this basketball stuff. Like, that's really when I felt like I'm different, this, that, and the other. And then also, like, the, the conference started getting not as good, not as competitive. And like I, like, like I say all the time, I'm, I like to compete. I want to play against the best to be the best. So, therefore, I decided to go to Arizona go prep because, you know, that's what everybody do when it's time to, when time get real and get tough. So, you know, I felt like I wanted to – I was ready for the next, you know, next level. So I decided to go to Arizona. Michael Foster joining us. I would imagine that leads us to the next point, right? Like because of what you were doing – Every college program would have loved to have had you, but you had the opportunity to go to the G League. What was that decision-making process like that led you to the G League? It was really, like I just said, about the competitiveness. Like, like I want to play against the best to be the best, like I just said. Uh, I just have, I mean, me imagine going against the, the stronger, the faster guys, learning the, the curve of the NBA before you get to the NBA. Like, that's like a cheat code to the, to the test, like, that's how it took. I'm like, why not be two steps ahead instead of going one step, this, that, and the other? So, I mean, that was all that went into it. We're talking to Michael Foster. So, as an example, I had Jalen Green on the show last year, and we talked about life in the G League, and you've talked about it. You're talking about it right now. Like, how competitive and grimy can that league get? Like, how tough is it? It's tough. Like, I, people, under, people don't understand how tough that league is. Like, it's people that got so many call-ups been in and out the league so many times. We're going to get, like, uh, we had, this year we had the opportunity to play against James Robinson, number two pick in the draft. Like, that's a, it's a lot of competitive. Like, we had Serge down there. 
like, come on now, like, we playing against pros that have been in the league, that's trying to get back into the league, that was also in the league. Like, it's a lot. Like, everybody want to – and then knowing us, we the young kids, we got probably the biggest contracts in the G League, so it's a target on our back. And that would bring that would bring and push the best out of us. So it's like, you know, it's a pretty good feeling for that. Dude, you're the best. I'm loving this conversation. Like, you just said, quote – we had surge, like, come on. I mean, for example, back November, right. you had 16, 8, 3 steals, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. Not only did you have surge, I'm talking about Serge Ibaka, you did all that against Serge Ibaka. Now, you're not going to get to play yeah. against guys like that in college. What was it like to match up with him? We're talking about a grown-ass man with a grown-ass NBA career. What did that do for your confidence, right. and what was your takeaway from that game? I mean, I understand, like, he was hitting tough shots. I'm like, come on, I know I had a great contest on that. Like, it's stuff like that, like, you understand, like, this is a whole different level. Like, I give props to the college kids, just that none ain't no bad spin, but it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game when you go down in the G League. Hey, Michael, one more thing about that, too. It's not like not only are these guys like physically different and they've got that experience, there's like a, a level of urgency, right? We're talking about guys that are battling for their careers, that are battling uh, for their basketball futures. you got to factor that in. What's that like, and do you feel that when you hit the floor? Oh, for sure. Even during warm-ups, you know, they staring down us and we staring down them. They trying to dunk hard on their what's name and give us some – trying to shake our racks. Like, come on now, like this. You for sure feel it once you walk in. And, and plus the coaches, they fans. So it's a lot of talk this day and other. It's pretty cool, though. Michael Foster joined me for a few more moments. The Athletic did a piece on draft prospects, and they were asked who would they compare themselves in the NBA right now. You actually had a great answer. I really like this answer. You said, quote, the niche I like to pick out is like a Bobby Portis, a P.J. Tucker, stuff like that, just a 3 and D guy because I understand the rookie roles. They don't need me to go out there and score, end of quote. Personally, I love Portis and I love Tucker both. What is it about their games that you like? I mean, I feel like right now I can go to the league and do that very well. Like they, I love the, I love the whole defense one through five. I want to prove everybody I can guard. If that's the big question around Mike Foster, can he guard one through five or can he guard? Uh, can he maintain a, a smaller guy? I mean, I've been showing them the whole uh, draft, whole uh, pre-draft situation. I mean, just knowing I can go in there and just. He's one of them guys to, you know, make an open three, guard the best uh, guard. I mean, guard the best player at now time to time. He's done the other go go out there and rebound, bring energy, you know, be the tough guy, gritty. I mean, that's what I, that's all I am. You know? Mike Foster right there in the box. <laughs> Mike Foster right there in the box. He's getting ready for the NBA draft. Listen really quickly. You did something recently that I had done before you, so I kind of know what it's like, but I want to ask you, you're in the new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle. I've been in the longest yeah. yard with Adam Sandler, so I know what that experience is like. Share it with the listeners. How did that opportunity come to be, and what was it like to shoot that? The, the opportunity came to be, uh, I was really at an uh, AAU game, playing and then my guy came up to me like you want to be in a movie i'm thinking like it's a uh he's like you want to be a movie star i'm like i'm thinking like uh you know he playing i'm like yeah i want to be in a movie this that, and other so he gave me the script like they want you to do this do that do that say this say this that say that so i'm like, bet i did that they sent it to him they seen my body this that, and the other they're like yeah we love him you gotta bring him out to where he's where he's filming the movie at and then the experience part is crazy like it's a lot, like, it's a lot. Definitely, like, it's a whole different routine of basketball. Like, you get up, you in a, you cameras in your face all day. 
and you're doing so much stuff, and then once you see the movie, you know, some of the stuff they make it, so you're like, man, come on now, this, that, and the other. But the experience is great. I'm at Adam Sandler. I'm at a couple NBA guys. The environment is crazy. I'll do it again for sure. Dude, that whole thing about you find out that some of it didn't make it. Dude, like all of it doesn't make it, right? You're there. Man, like, people, yeah. like you're there hours for only hours a minute or two on air, me. right? Yeah. That's how it goes, funny. man. Like that that that's, part is funny. It's all right. It's movie business. Let me get. Did you get any FaceTime with Adam Sandler? Did he come by and kind of chop it up with you? Yeah. Every every chance he got, he came up to me. Like he always he pat on my back, like doing a good job. He's actually telling me. He actually when I did one of the movie uh, scenes in the movie, I think they showed it too. He was like, "Man, have you acted before?" Because you know, I don't know. I don't know. He's trying to like, gas me up or boost my confidence. But he like, said, "Man, you, you did pretty good right there." I feel like you. Acting for you got a good niche for acting. I'm like, oh, thank you, man. You know, man, that boosted my confidence a lot, right? That's what I'm saying, dude. He's a good, dude. He's a good, dude. Yeah, I mean, if he had time for me, I know he had time for you. And did I, like, yeah. you, you got that it. It's coming through. You and I have never met before, mm-hmm. but it's coming through. I, I believe him. So, really quickly, we're a few days off from your name being named and called at the NBA draft. Given that it's the dream of everybody who has ever picked up a basketball, what kind of emotions do you think you'll be feeling when that happens and you hear your name? I mean, to be honest, I'm not one of the guys that cry this, that, and the other, but you all you're going to see is a big smile on my face, though, for sure. I mean, to be one of them, to be one of the top, I'm not top, but 1% of the world to be, you know, this great and, you know, have this opportunity is crazy. And like I said, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm going to embrace it and have fun with it and, you know, be the best I can be. It's going to be exciting for sure. All friends and family going to be there. So, yeah, I feel pressure for sure. To quote Cat himself, I like that energy. I like it a lot. The NBA draft is coming up June 23rd. It's in Brooklyn. He was a McDonald's All-American, a G League Ignite forward. Michael Foster, my guest. Michael, really good to have you on the show. You did a great job. Good luck on the 23rd, and I'll be looking for you once you find a place to live and work in the whole thing. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good night now!